Well, it's Thanksgiving this week. Are you ready to be thankful for a day? Thanksgiving, the holiday, is kind of unique among all the holidays that are, that are kind of making up this season that we're in, right? Our culture doesn't quite seem to know what to do with Thanksgiving Day. We don't make a big deal about like Thanksgiving decorations like we do Christmas decorations or even Halloween decorations. There aren't Thanksgiving songs that are played nonstop on the radio, and if they were, they'd probably start at like the 4th of July. But the only part that our culture can really get behind is the food, right? That's, that's what they, they really kind of understand. But I think the reason that our culture kind of doesn't know what to do with Thanksgiving is because Thanksgiving is at, based on an attitude that is thoroughly Christian. Thanksgiving is, after all, a Christian holiday. But unlike the other Christian holidays of this season that, that focus on uh, an aspect of Jesus' life, like his birth at Christmas, his death at uh, Easter, the resurrection at Easter, uh, Thanksgiving is about an attitude of gratitude from the heart toward God for all of the blessings that he pours out into our life. And in America, it's specifically about remembering how the pilgrims, our forefathers, survived that first harsh winter that they had, and they brought in their first harvest that next season. But with that Thanksgiving and the, the proclamations that came afterward by presidents declaring it to be a national holiday, all of those Thanksgivings were specifically about giving thanks to God for the blessings that he gives to us, his generous provision in our lives. It's a day focused on an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude toward God. But it isn't supposed to be confined to just one day either, along with the turkey and the pumpkin pie. As followers of Jesus, that attitude is to be part of our lives every single day. The text that we wrote, read just a few minutes ago from Philippians uh, is from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And Philippians is, in a way, it's, it's Paul's thanksgiving letter. Of all of the letters that we have of the Apostle Paul, Philippians is the most consistently positive and personal. It reflects his joyful spirit that he has here. Paul wrote this letter to the church in the city of Philippi that he had visited and he had encouraged. And that church had supported Paul in his work for years, partnering with him in the spread of the gospel and the spread of the kingdom. And the letter was written late in Paul's life. Lots of time had passed since he had first visited Philippi, and they continued to support Paul in his work, sending him a gift to further support the work of, his king, of the kingdom and his ministry. And this letter that he writes... It's, it's unlike a lot of the other letters that Paul writes that we have in the New Testament. He's not writing to correct something that has majorly gone wrong at this church. He's not writing to point out any major problems that they have and correct them. He gives some warnings throughout the letter, but they're, they're more cautionary and precautionary in there. It's also a letter that is extremely focused on Jesus. In this short letter, it's just 104 verses, there are 51 references to Jesus by name in this short little letter. It's an extremely positive, thankful, Christ-centered letter. And yet it was written while Paul was in prison. He was persecuted in Rome and thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. He was in chains 
And he fully expected that he would be executed for his faith in Jesus and his commitment to spreading the gospel. And yet he writes this beautiful, joy-filled, thank-filled letter to this church. Now, earlier in Philippians, in chapter 2, before the part that we, we read a few moments ago, Paul instructs the, the church in Philippi to do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Paul instructs the Philippians to do all things without grumbling or complaining. Now, that's a tall order, right? This is not to do just some things, not to do just most things, but all things, Paul says, without grumbling and without complaining. On Saturday Night Live years ago, Rachel Dratch played a recurring character known as Debbie Downer. You all remember Debbie Downer? Whatever the situation was, everybody around her was so happy and upbeat, and Debbie Downer always had some, something going on, some negative take on whatever it was that often you know, made everybody really uncomfortable as she was bringing the, the, the party down so much. And while that's obviously a parody for humor, we all know people like that, right? People for whom nothing is ever good enough, people for whom everything goes wrong in their life. They seem to, everything seems to happen to them. They're always just so negative, so down. They're always grumbling and complaining. Maybe you're looking ahead at Thursday saying, oh gosh, one of these people is going to be at my table. What am I going to do about that? Paul's point here is that there is no greater joy robber than grumbling or complaining for you or for others. And if anyone had a right to, to grumble or complain about their situation, it was Paul, right? He's in chains for preaching the gospel, for being faithful to what Jesus had called him to do. I think any one of us would be grumbling or complaining in that situation just a little bit. And yet, Paul instructs us, and, and Paul sets an example for us to do all things without grumbling or complaining. And the reason for that is clear. It's what, what Paul says here. Grumbling and complaining, it hurts our witness to the world. If we are, are grumblers and complainers. Now in Paul's day, there was lots of reason for Christians to grumble and complain. Christians were facing greater and greater persecution every day. Paul was not the only Christian in chains for Jesus. Christians were increasingly facing persecution, not only from the people around them, but from the government itself. This is nearing the time when Christians would be thrown to the lions or killed for entertainment in the Colosseum. This is, this is persecution and hardship to the max. And yet Paul tells us to be positive, to, to not grumble or complain so that we might shine like bright lights in this dark world. And it wasn't just the Christians who had it bad. Life wasn't exactly a picnic for anyone else either at this point in history. Life was really difficult for everyone, regardless of their faith. Very few people in the ancient world had life easy by any stretch of the imagination. Everyone had something to grumble and complain about. It's really not all that different from today, if we think about it. Yes, compared to some places around the world, even the, the worst off among us are doing really well compared to the other places around the world. But none of us really has to think very hard to come up with something to grumble or complain about, right? We, we all kind of have something kind of queued up, ready to go when we have that chance to complain, when, when the conversation turns to that. 
whether it's the latest happenings in the, the COVID saga, the weather that has, has turned how we don't like it, bills, gas prices, long lines at the store, politics, family struggles, strained relationships. We've all got those things queued up, ready to go, so that we can, we can start grumbling and we can start complaining when we have that opportunity. But to be a person who doesn't grumble and doesn't complain, have you ever been around somebody like that? Not somebody who's like overwhelmingly kind of fake positive, not, not the sickeningly sweet, you know, pretending the world is, is really not going to hell in a handbasket type people, but, but just the genuinely positive people. Have you ever been around somebody like that? Someone who, even when they're faced with, with a difficult situation, they don't lash out, they just take it with grace? They're real about it. They don't, they don't pretend that it's not a bad thing or that it's somehow a blessing in disguise, but they don't use it as an excuse to launch into a tirade about grumbling or complaining. Have you ever known somebody like that? In the first church that I served at, there was this sweet elderly lady who helped out in lots of different places around the, the church and the school there, but, but she often helped out ser- helping serve food in the cafeteria. Margaret was her name, and Margaret had all sorts of health problems. She'd lost her husband, had been through so many things, but man, Margaret was always positive. She never grumbled, she never complained, and she had a lot to complain about, but she was never a person to grumble or complain. And let me tell you, Margaret was an absolute joy to be around. She was a light in that church and in that school. And the kids loved being around her. They, they loved to talk to her as they came through the line. She loved those kids. The other cafeteria staff and the church and school staff, they all loved Margaret because Margaret was such a positive person. And Margaret got to talk to a lot of people about Jesus because she was such a positive person in this otherwise dark world sometimes. People were drawn to that light. Later in in his letter, in the text that we read earlier in the service, Paul goes from telling us to do everything without grumbling or complaining to telling us, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, I don't want you to miss this, rejoice in the Lord always. Because rejoicing is a, a safeguard against discouragement. If I'm rejoicing, if I am thanking God, and I am doing that always, then it's really hard to fixate on the negative things in life. And Paul is not being naive or anything. He doesn't have blinders on to to all that's going on in the world around him. He knows that there's stuff to be discouraged about. He knows there's things to complain about. But what does he say right after this? In verse 6, he says, Don't worry about anything. And brother, have you got a lot of stuff to worry about? But pray about everything. Those problems, those trials, those struggles that you're facing, they're not trivial, They're, they're not little. But in your rejoicing, you're not overlooking those troubles, but you're putting those troubles in their place as something that you get to rely on God through these these trials and struggles that we face. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. And this connection between prayer and choosing thankfulness is something that Paul brings up in a few other places. He talks about it in another one of his letters in 1 Thessalonians 5 where Paul says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now notice what Paul says there. Be thankful in 
all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, but be thankful in all circumstances. He knows there's going to be things that you, you face in life that you are not going to be real thankful for. Paul was probably not thankful that he was in prison, in chains for preaching the gospel. It was stopping him from more fully going about the work that he had to do. But Paul chose to be thankful despite his circumstances. He thanked God for what God had done and for what God was going to continue to do. He rejoiced in all things. He didn't grumble or complain. He was a joy-filled, thankful person in all circumstances. And we have to ask ourselves, how did he do that? Because life was hard for Paul, and life is hard for us. And I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I find it hard to be happy and thankful when I'm mildly inconvenienced and a little bit hungry at times. So it, it's hard to be thankful in all uh, circumstances. I think for that we have to look to the book of Hebrews. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. It doesn't tell us anywhere in the book who wrote it. So there are some who think that Paul wrote Hebrews. There are others who think maybe it was Luke, maybe it was Barnabas, maybe it was somebody else altogether that we don't know. But whoever wrote Hebrews, whether it was Paul or not, they make a very important point for us in chapter 12. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. Now, more than anyone else, Jesus knows what it's like to face circumstances that are less than ideal. For our sake, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, left the glory of, of his Father's throne and his Father's presence to come to earth to take on flesh, to experience suffering and strife and pain, to experience rejection, persecution, beatings, and ultimately a criminal's death that he did not deserve. All for us humans... Who, who sin all the time and are not thankful like we should be all of the time and who don't follow everything he asks us to do. If anyone has the right to grumble or complain, it, it's Jesus. He has a right to be discouraged about things. But what the author of Hebrews points out is that what kept Jesus from getting discouraged or complaining about the pains that he would have to endure and the, the difficult trial that was before him was for our sake looking past those things to the glory that was ahead. There was joy awaiting Jesus. There was the glory of the resurrection and his ascension and his return to his father's side, waiting for him on the other side of all of those things. And so Jesus looks past that pain. He looks past the struggle, past the trial. And he looks forward to the joy that is awaiting for him. And that's where God wants your eyes. Not on the trials that are right before you, but past those, to the, the future joy that he has promised you. And, and what is that future joy that you have? I'm so glad you asked. It's the very best possible future that you could possibly imagine. It's listed in the bulletin for you. I've got it on the screen as well. I'm just going to run through this quick here. You have the free gift of complete forgiveness for all your sins, extending into forever. You will never have to earn your salvation by keeping the law. You will, never, or you will receive all the grace that you need at all times so that you can abound in every good work that God has for you. 
And God will complete the good work that he has begun in you. You will be raised from the dead and never die again. That means that someday you will see Jesus and you will be with him and you will be like him. And in that day, you will know for the first time full, unpolluted joy. And you will have God forever as your exceeding joy. Now, that is just a very, very, very small sampling of what lies ahead for us, that future joy that we have because of Christ Jesus. So, how do we choose an attitude of thankfulness and rejoicing in the midst of a life that can seem like anything but worth uh, thanking and rejoicing over? How can we be thankful in all the circumstances that we are faced with? Jesus' way. By looking ahead to the joy that is awaiting us. Because Jesus promises a future joy that no circumstances here on earth can steal from us. Because of that, we can be thankful. We can rejoice in all things, no matter what they are. As Paul says in his second letter to the Corinthians, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a, a glory that is vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Paul gets it. Paul understands. There is stuff that we face in this world that steals our joy, that takes that away from us, that, that kind of breaks our thankful hearts. It's real. But compared to what's coming, compared to what we have in Christ Jesus, the joy that we have awaiting us, it's nothing. It's small. It's light. It's momentary. It's temporary. So rejoice. Be thankful in all circumstances. And set your eyes firmly on Jesus Christ and the joy that we have in him. Amen. Father, we thank you for all that you give to us through Jesus Christ. For Jesus being our Savior, the one who brought us back to you. Lord, help us to, to fix our eyes firmly on Jesus in the midst of whatever it is that we find ourselves facing. And Lord, help us to be thankful always. Not just one day, not just one week, not just some of the time. But Lord, help us to be thankful always because of what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.